0: Cardboard Studios presents.
1: Heavy Cardboard, Episode 19, Automobile. Coming to you from the final resting place of one of the founders of the VFW, Brigadier General Irving Hale, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. That's Edward. That's Tony. So here, start off, uh, tell you guys how to get a hold of us. Twitter, at Heavy Cardboard. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Email us heavycardboard at gmail dot com. The website heavycardboard.com and please take a minute to rate us and maybe even review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Speaking of which, thanks goes out to the bottom of the world in Cape Town, South Africa, and nice. to Avatar Cap for the kind review on iTunes. Thanks a lot, man. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Before we get rolling tonight, let's talk about our sponsor. Fantastic
0: sponsor at that. Game Surplus. Great people, great reputation. They have a terrific inventory of games over there. Imports, hard to find games. Looks like it seems like every Friday they post a whole bunch of new games that they got in during the week. Yeah, that, and it's pre-
1: it's pretty cool that Velma touches base with me every yeah, uh, yeah. every Thursday or Friday. Hey, Do a we have this out. coming in, and yeah, so that you know our followers get the heads up ahead of time. So if there's something in limited quantities that they get, hey, you'll hear about it first from us. So look, Game Surplus is the home of great games at great prices,
0: so check them out on the web, www.gamesurplus.com. It's uh,
1: it's Monday, March 2nd, and dude, it's March already. Seriously. Yeah. Where has this year gone? I don't already? care, as long as it gets into spring. Yeah, because we've had, I understand our friends in the Northeast yeah. have had a lot of snow. We had a record-breaking amount of snow for February. Here in Denver. Everybody thinks Denver is on the top of the world and, you know, it snows here 10 months out of the year. Shh. It does. It really <laughs> does. Don't move here. No, it's, but we really don't get much snow except this month or, well, I guess last month. It was nuts. Yeah,
0: you know, it's uh, 70 degrees one day and 70 inches the next day. Right. Well, well right, right, not right, quite that right, bad. Right. But that's what that's, she said. That's the
1: general gist. So our auction was a pretty killer success, I think. Um, I got to be honest, I'm going to be really happy when it's this time tomorrow. Because that means all the boxes will have been shipped out. Nice. And done over with it. Because, nice. my lord, that was a lot of boxes.
0: Yes, it was. Thanks so. for... You did all the grunt work on that, and I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. And, and thanks to everybody out there for buying games from yeah, us. Yeah, and hopefully you guys enjoy them. Just allows us to put more games in our collection, and talk about them on the podcast.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of empty spaces now, so that's yeah. pretty
0: cool. I know, like uh, my wife
1: says, wow, you got a whole shelf there, and I said, yes, I do. <laughs> Why, yes. <laughs> We've mentioned in the past, there, there's a couple of little news blurbs here, I just FYI's type thing I want to throw out to our listeners. Uh, We've mentioned in the past that we're fortunate to be partnered up with Bags and Board, yes. which is the radio show down in Stephenville, Texas. If anyone's interested in listening to an honest to God FM radio show talking about board games, they can tune in online, uh, Wednesdays 7 p.m. Eastern, and we'll throw a link to the website uh, in the show notes for everybody.
0: They also uh, post their content on
1: SoundCloud, I believe. Yeah, and they've had dude, they've had some legitimate like interviews, like yeah. big time interviews. So, and you guys can listen to our our segments on there. Yep. Um, granted, there's going to be some. Some crossing between what we have there and what we have here, but nonetheless... Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Right. Uh, The other news blurb that I wanted to throw out was, as folks know, Hands in the Sea is live on Kickstarter. As of our recording today, Monday, March 2nd, it is this close to actually funding already. Nice. And there's still like 22 days to go. So now I'm, obviously, you know, I backed it during the Forged and Steel Kickstarter mm. um, now I just want the stretch goals to hit so that you know we get the uh, you know the the pimped up cards you know with the linen finish and, and ivory core black core cards or whatnot, and all the other stretch goals so I'm looking forward to that nice job Don and Dan yeah so last thing that I have is uh, I don't know about you but I can tell you already I know where I'm going to be on August 22nd I know where I'm not going to be <laughs> and where's that sir <laughs> um with you <laughs> <laughs> in salida colorado the Gentlemen of the road mumford and sons are coming they're hosting a festival there a little small little town about two and a half hours away from yep. denver here and never been there but it'd be cool to check out plus mumford and sons is one of my favorite bands i'm i'm super super jazzed that that, that got announced today so. i'm happy for you man yeah sounds okay. like a good little trip yeah plus you know we get to stay at a You know, little, you know, bed and breakfast or whatever we'll find there with the wife. So she'll be happy. Plus she really enjoys the music and rock on. Should be a good time. My
0: tastes tend to pagan fest, but that's a different, uh, (laughs) different problem.
1: Although, although when we were playing automobile the other day, we had big band, you know, 40s music, uh, 30s, 40s music. And we all were enjoying that. So we, there's some... Truth is, I like,
0: I like everything but country. I mean, I really have a wide, wide musical taste.
1: And, and for me... I, I don't I enjoy some country uh some of your kill your mother death metal rah, growling Growl. yeah that's Ugh. yeah not so gore and yeah, no not really you no. know you and you and Paul Chad yeah. have that in common to yeah. where you guys really obscure german bands you know that are Russian, super
0: hardcore yeah. the scandinavians are nuts for that <laughs> stuff so find a lot of scandinavian metal
1: which there's nothing wrong with it, it's just not my cup of tea, is yeah. all I'm saying. But, but
0: I mean, like, if you looked at my um, iPod, you'd see Gregorian chants, death metal, hip-hop, classic rock, classical, everything. No country.
1: I, I, I have all of that, actually, including the country, but I do have Jazz, yeah, j- bluegrass, a, I a, like bluegrass. Are you a fan of dope?
0: Well, I, I
1: <laughs> not the kind. 32 you Thirty-two years do, clean right. and
0: sober. Well, <laughs> I, I do like Scotch, but uh,
1: no, the band, dope. No, no, no I,
0: not. I, I, I have to say, I have not heard of them or okay, don't they're, recognize they're, them. They're
1: as hardcore as I get. So, I guess let's roll into this. Cool. Well, then lead off with what you've acquired since our last episode. Really, only only two uh, transaction type things have happened. I still really haven't gone out of my way looking for anything, mm-hmm. but uh, there was somebody on BGG that offered up a trade uh, before the auction. I had three copies of Three Kingdoms Redux left over, including not including mine, mm-hmm. and he offered me up Railroad Barons, which is a cool-looking two-player eighteen X filler card game. Uh, all, that with Concordia and Riffraff, which is a, a dexterity game that yeah, I, I was really wanting. fun game. So he offered me those three for Three Kingdoms. I was like, Yeah, I, I can do that.
0: I don't know anything about the little railroad car game. It card looks game. pretty.
1: It looks pretty cool. Um, it says
0: it's the eighteen XX card game on yeah, the back side. But, but Concordia and Riffraff, yeah, those alone and it's awesome. Man. Yeah,
1: so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, when Chad was here this weekend, we we were looking over the rules and everything and. Apparently on BGG, The they card said, game? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Railroad Barons. They said that the rule book's just atrocious, mm. but um, there are... You can piece it together, and when you do, it's a pretty good little 45-minute little filler game. Oh, that's very so. cool. The only other thing that I've acquired is I somehow, someway, accidentally ended up with the second copy of the second edition of Florenza, which I'm going to gift to my partner in crime. Here, uh but speaking of gifts you you kind of had an idea here
0: yeah um when i received my copy of aquasphere the box was damaged it was trashed <laughs> well well the top the top part was just it was damaged up pretty bad one yeah one of the corners was was down to bare cardboard right? right and so um not really acceptable um and so i asked Tasty Minstrel,
1: Michael Mendez, who's the the, right. the the head of Tasty Minstrel, if they would replace, replace the box. my box, and sure. he
0: said absolutely, but it's more cost effective for me to actually just send you a new game. So I have so here's what I have at my house: I took my copy of Aquasphere out of the damaged box and put it in the new box, and took the unpunched copy of Aquasphere and put it in the damaged box. So now I have a unpunched copy of Aquasphere in a damaged box that I would like to continue Tasty Minstrel's generosity and and maybe give that away. But here's what I thought. During that time when I was corresponding with uh, Tasty Minstrel, someone, and we were were talking a lot about Aquasphere on Twitter at the time, and someone said, oh man, I wish I could afford that. And that gave me the idea, and I'd just been kind of sitting on it and cooking on it until now. And the idea would be if you can't afford Aquasphere or know someone who can't afford Aquas- Aquasphere, why don't you drop us an email? And before the next episode, we will. Confidentially. Pick, pick, confidentially pick one. pick one of those e- emails and we'll send you Aquasphere for nothing. Yeah. Courtesy of. Heavy cardboard and, and tasty minstrels, yeah. And um, we we won't say anything about it to anybody. Yeah, because or anything. we're not.
1: I mean, obviously, we don't want to like,
0: embarrass anyone. Yeah, and it, it's, it's really just a gift.
1: Yeah, it's it. You know, a, a while back I did a pod blast on GMT games and oh, what they did yes. and what they still do. And if you guys have, let me go on a tangent here for a second. During the downturn in the economy, a lot of people were out of work, and so they said, "Look, if you're out of work." We'll send you a game or two. Just tell us you're out of work. And I thought that was just absolutely awesome. Look, you're down on your luck. Things aren't going good. Here, here's a little pick-me-up. And, I mean, if that doesn't epitomize everything that's good about this hobby, I don't know what is. So, yeah, if there's somebody out there, email us, heavycardboard.gmail.com. Yes. And that's going to be between you and us. I mean, if we get more than one, we'll just... I mean, we're not looking for the worst sob story. Nothing like that. No, no, no. We'll just Just,
0: randomly pick somebody and... Just just just, drop a note, toss an address in there, and we'll pick one.
1: Yeah, and one day it'll show
0: up on your house. All right, my acquisitions? Yeah. I have three acquisitions. My copy of Versindas Volk came from Canada. Oh, Canada. And I acquired... Grand Crew in an auction, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Grand Crew, that wine wine, game, right? Wine, game. It has a, a bit of a reputation for being good. It's got a couple of flaws here or there, but it's quite brutal economic game. So I'm like, okay, let's give it a try. I know little to nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, I got it cheap, so sure, what the heck. Okay. One of our listeners, Murr, he and I were talking back and forth on uh, email about... Key Market. Right, not Key Harvest. Not Key Harvest, About <laughs> Key Market. He has a copy. I right. love a copy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I noticed a, a copy of Key Harvest on his shelf when he sent that picture to us. You know? Oh, yeah,
1: of his, of yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And so I said, well, how is that game? Because I've seen it around. And and, um, and he said he quite enjoys it, and he talked a little bit about it and stuff. And so um, I, I grabbed a copy. So uh, let's see. What games am I hunting? Yeah. Let's, well, ro- let's not those. Let's roll into that. No, <laughs> this is a not um, not a heavy looking game, but um, you know I love auctions and bidding and stuff.
1: And, and by you, you mean we? We, yes. but
0: like game of forty nine looks fast and uh, painful auctions, which I like.
1: Game of forty nine. Game
0: of forty nine. Check it out. Okay. And one of um, in our guild, as we were discussing automobile and stuff. guild on BGG, our, right. the heavy cardboard guild, baby one of the bgg members talked about locomotive verks so that spurred me into reading about that game and everything and i'm i'm considering grabbing a copy now it's cuz it's got some of the characteristics of automobile in terms of variable demand but it uses dice some kind of there's been some discussion about you know hey well lucky dice rolls or unlucky dice rolls really can affect things but players can you know if they play well Mitigate that and stuff,
1: and the and the little cards with all the old trains look killer. It blew me away seeing J.C. Lawrence. Something triggered him to bring him into the guild, and I assure you, he's not listening. But the dude knows his stuff. He knows when his stuff, to, but he, he d- really does. But he's he does very, have a very direct way of. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Disseminating his information. Yeah, it's uh, it's very one sided. That's cool. I'll leave it at that. Uh, dude's knowledgeable weird. when it comes to eighteen XX stuff. I defer to him. Other way smarter than me. Other games, not maybe not so much. But when it comes to 18XX, the dude knows his stuff absolutely. So as far as me, yes, sir. Uh, again, not really actively chasing anything. And dude, this really feels good. I'm so excited to look at the the shelves and be like, yes, we're playing that next week. Yes, we're playing that this week. Whatever. Um, I mean, we're looking at a copy of Indonesia that Chad left here that we're getting to the table next Saturday, which can't wait. Yeah, so next Saturday. So next Saturday, we're talking about getting together with uh, uh, Sweater Mike, Paul Chad, and us, and and obviously Amanda, playing Indonesia, Dominant Species, and Rolling Freight. Oh, Rolling Freight, yes. You know, and, and so one of our listeners actually asked about that, and I was like, well, I don't know, but we'll try and get it to the table, so here we are. So I'm not actively chasing really anything but of course there are some of those that are still out there princes of the renaissance which again nobody has sent me i don't understand Man. how that yeah that it blows my mind that i we'll there's f- a there's a spot for it right there right, right next right next to davis our our heavy cardboard elephant so i don't know why yeah. that's not yeah. filled but yeah. anyway indonesia mm-hmm. is another one that if i can find for the right price and the right price is sub 200 uh Asgard. So here's a game that looked really interesting to me that might be terrible, Mm. but I see it in auctions a lot lately. What does that tell you? Right, normally I, uh, right, but that's not always the case because I see Ground Floor and I think that's a really good game. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Asgard, it's like 10, 15 bucks and it's a worker placement, kind of a fantasy, mythological Mm -hmm. type. Looks interesting, so kind of curious at least to try that. Right. Another one that I brought up in the guild that I'm not really hunting to buy, but I'd really like to play, and that's Argent, the consortium. Yeah, I, 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 I know there's mixed feelings in the yeah. guild on that
0: and, and other people. Well, last, month, last Monday, um, I, it was a work-from-home day because of the snow, and um, I, I hurt my back and everything, so I wasn't going to work anyway. And so I was able to have some videos going. And I watched a whole bunch of Argent videos and stuff like that. In fact, I, I, I you asked were the you one that about. planted
1: the seed. I, yeah, I, I
0: think on this originally. So I'm, I'm. It's one of those. I think are like I want to, uh, I want to play it, and then I want to decide if I want to own it or not. But I probably don't want to. is my gut feeling.
1: But I at least I do yeah. want to try. It seems like
0: Ameritrash worker placement.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm. I think. The, the last one that um, I'm definitely uh, keeping an eye out, and I have a feeling I'm just going to end up ordering this. And I'm not sure if it's Golden Spike mm. games or if it's uh, All Aboard Games that is doing the expedited for Deep Thought games. They both are, but they each have different games. And I think one of them is doing 18 Ardennes. I had... Er- I'd seen this, and I'd been like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll look into it more. Well, Chad played it with the uh, Bonnie Bray 18xx group here on Saturday, and he started describing it to me, and it's it's an expert-level 18xx. This is like the opposite end of the spectrum from 1846. There are 15 minor companies that opened at the beginning, and knowing which ones and how much they're supposed to go for and all this, it just... The fact that there are 15 minors that grow up and then the majors all start as five share uh, majors and then can eventually grow into ten share majors, I think is just... I heard that and I was like, okay, I'm sold. I, I really, really want to get this game. Nice. So that's uh, that's the last on my hunting, but not really going out of my way to grab type list.
0: Cool. You know, uh, often we play games together. What have you been playing that that I may or may not have played with you? Well,
1: obviously, you know, there's... Plenty of automobile that's being played. Beep, beep. Uh, Castles of Burgundy, we got back to the table. Cool. Uh, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. Riff Raff, the, the dexterity game yeah. that we just got. That's just silly fun. Mm-hmm. We finally, you and I, got a cop or got uh das Volk yes. to the table. Yes, um, For a abbreviated game. Short <laughs> game, short game. <laughs> which we'll talk about more later. Um you brought over Lancaster, so I finally got to try yeah. that. I really dug that. I really enjoyed yeah. it.
0: I really want you to play it with five. The three was like the learning game. But even three so, players. I
1: enjoyed it with three. Yeah. So that, that was you can, a good sign. You can see what it offers with five. Right. Uh, we played Village uh, with Village Inn and Village, Village Port, Port. Which, in my opinion, and yours, I think we said this previously, but vi- maybe we just were writing it and it was on maybe the guild. So. Village Port is a must have it's a must village have. inn maybe not I, I thought that village inn was a must yes. have until village port and now our question only having one play right. is does village port make village inn unnecessary I don't think so I don't know for sure Right, right because right.
0: we were it was new to us so we were like to play in the port and stuff right. so we might have been artificially avoiding the inn but, Which is possible but, which is totally possible but, but, but village, village port, port is, is, is that it's a must
1: yeah and then Village Inn, probably, I would say. Yeah. Uh, we also played Fresco, uh, the, yeah. the copy that you had gotten from uh, the the live auction here. At uh, Real, Genghis. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we've played it several more times. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, uh Kygon. Which yeah. is the the oh. thematically you're you're mapping the coast of Japan? No, you're not. No, no, no. Um, but it has really really cool card play yeah. mechanic. That was my first play of, it,
0: and I really dug that card mechanic.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not worth aftermarket prices, which right. the uh, I I want to say Ascora is the publisher, and they're wow. way out of business now. So it's going to probably permanently stay out of print. So it's really expensive, but it's cool to see that mechanic and. I, I do wish more games used it.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a mechanic that can be explored and put to use in other heavier games.
1: And basically what it is is you're playing card you're going around the turn around the table playing one card on a grid and at any time after you play a card, you can claim a row and you get all the you get to take the actions of all the cards that are there regardless of who played those cards. Right. Um, it's possible that you can claim that row before all the spots are filled and that's going to happen more often than not so that you know you maybe you planned it out just right and just really it, fun
0: really it's cool. really a good like balancing mechanic because if you put down too many
1: juicy cards in one row somebody's gonna some snatch of, yeah, that up yeah. yep
0: it's not gonna make it back so around.
1: so there's a little bit of bluffing going on yeah. like i'm gonna play this card here and i have no intention of wanting right. that row
0: but maybe right. someone else does or if i do play something juicy it's probably gonna be two cards deep so i better snag it quick so i'm I get two cool actions, but I only get two. Yeah. While well, you fools get three, four, five, whatever. Right. Yeah, so very cool. All
1: right, so that's that's pretty much all I've been playing. How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, other than some of the things you've mentioned. Sorry to take any of your... Uh, no, no, here, no. So I, I mean, there. I was in most of what you said. I think the only things we have played
1: uh, without you were some more Bandu. Well, because there is never... the it, it's never not Bandu time. That's right. And Bandu and Beer. Beer do. It goes, <laughs> goes good together. Uh, Trajan.
0: More Trajan. And um, the aforementioned Key Harvest. And um, Matt and I got a play of Key Harvest. And I just want to tell you what the two cool things about the game are. Okay. The spatial player board, there's, you know, there's 56 hexes, and they're in rows. And each one is uniquely lettered a number A9. C four. Bingo! Bingo! You sank my battleship. <laughs> and there's a corresponding field hex tile that produces something like wheat or wine or you know whatever vegetables.
1: Or if you're in Colorado, weed.
0: Weed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and basically, you're buying these tiles and you're trying to get them on your board. Really, you're trying to make two big fields that are connected to tiles. And there's some workers involved. Blah blah blah. Um, but the, but the economy in the game is a little interesting too because when you, you can't just buy a tile from the game, you have to take a tile and put it in your market, and other players will do the same. So when you buy a tile, you're really buying it from yourself or for or from other players. So in effect, I have here's this tile, and then I have my own little resources. You don't put a price on it in money because there's no money in the game. There's five kinds of resources, and you set the price with that. So if I have two lettuce, a wheat, and a vegetable, I can decide the price of this tile will be some combination thereof. Maybe I notice that nobody else wants it, so maybe I'll just put a price of one wheat on it. So To I make it cheaper for, for you me. to buy. But so right? one of you jerks can go ahead, and, you know what, I will take that because you know it's just a wheat, and I can use that over here.
1: So it kind of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, again, I, I know about the game but having no experience with it, it almost sounds like it has a bit of a container feel. That that pricing, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds really. Let me ask you: Is it something that you think is heavy cardboard material that we might be able to feature down the road? I think it would be uh,
0: definitely a trailer or an extended trailer type okay. of type of game. Okay, cool, and uh, one that uh, you should play.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm. Well, if I get a copy, mm. I will. Well, I mean, you could play mine, but I'd rather have a copy. Well, that'll be that'll be handled, sir. <laughs> Alright, so, with that said, why don't we uh, roll into some trailers? Sounds good. So, Tony, let's talk some In the
0: Shadow of the Emperor. Let's do that, sir. In the Shadow of the Emperor is a game that was released by Rio Grande in 2004 by Ralph Burkert. And the game is really under the radar. It actually has a, a BGG rating of 6.99.
1: So it's not bad. Okay, yeah. Not bad. Yeah.
0: I think anything over 6.8 is...
1: Probably pretty good. As a war gamer, though, I tend to look 7.0 or higher to be able to be the deciding factor. But anyway, I digress. Continues. It's
0: a two-to-four player game that takes 60 to 90 minutes to play. And here's what's cooking in the game. Players represent aristocratic families in the court of the Holy Roman Emperor. And you're seeking to get your family members, who are these tiles that represent individual nobles or a married couple. Because during the game, your nobles can become married, and then they're a couple. You could try to get them into influential positions in the various electorates of the empire. Once there, they accumulate votes from that electorate to be elected Holy Roman Emperor. During the game, you're gonna choose actions for your family member to take that allow them to wrest control of the various elector states, and each each of which has a special ability in addition to its voting power. And while doing this, you're going to be displacing your opponents from the control of the electorate. So it's a bit of an area control game. However, your family members will age and die. So therefore, the number of actions is limited. As players build their influence, they collect victory points.
1: And the player with the most wins the game. So let me ask you, having not played this game, this sounds like the Borgias, the game. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like. Like, like the The murder and
0: intrigue would be abstracted, right? But but it does occur.
1: Yeah, because you said there's deaths in the game and all this, and it's all about trying to place your your family members into influential, you know, spots within the HRE, right? Yes.
0: Yeah that that's the Borgias. (laughs) What's really cool about this game is your nobles and your couples. They age and they die, right? This game predates Village. Village isn't the first game where your workers, quote-unquote, die. Right,
1: because that's the first thing. Whenever you say workers and death, that's the first right. game that comes to mind is Village.
0: The game has a mechanic that allows you to have a son or a daughter each turn. And that's that's determined by if you chose more blue or pink action cards during the turn. And, oh, <laughs> all right. And, and those cards are certainly skewed in a certain fashion. It's... It's good to have sons because they become new nobles, obviously, right. But it's not terrible to have daughters either, but daughters are interesting because if you you can offer a daughter to another player, and if that in marriage, and if that daughter or if that other player accepts, then you get a victory point. but that player one of their single nobles becomes a married couple, and the married couples have more power. Than the individual nobles. But there's
1: no dowry involved or anything right. like that. Right, you okay. just get a victory point. Okay.
0: That, that would be the dowry. And now, if the other player refuses, or if you choose not to offer the daughter in marriage, mm-hmm. you just ship her butt off to the convent and collect some money.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Well, hey, sexist, yes, but it is historical because back is. in the day, this is how it, it is. used to be.
0: I mentioned the area control, you know, the seven different electorates, and each one giving a different bonus, and there are some that are religious electorate electorates and some that are secular in nature. And you on, here's what's interesting about the area control. You only score points when you wrest control from another player. So you're not rewarded for turtling.
1: Which is good. Yes. Okay.
0: You, you, you actually want to cede control occasionally of some things so that you may get Take it back. Take it back, right. Yes. And every turn, there's a secret ballot election for the emperor, because one of the players will be the emperor, and another player who thinks he might have enough votes can challenge the emperor. So there would be an elector, an election each time, and you get victory points if you vote for the right guy. But this is not a negotiation game. You don't really, you know, negotiate that stuff. You just make yeah, straight bids. Yeah, right. Okay. okay. It's, it's a it's a secret ballot election. Okay. And um, there's a small resource engine in the game because cities will generate income for you. And income is important to buy those pink or blue action cards. And there's there's zero luck in the game. It is, however, a four-player game. There's a two and a three. It's, it's a, four. a four-player game. Gotcha. Okay. And um, it's a dry, dull area control euro the
1: artwork looks terrible on the box at least yes that, um, that's all i can speak to as far as that but it looks but it's a solid and it's a solid game soulless and solid that's that works yes
0: so anyway i give it a rating on a one to six of a four
1: all right rock on. check
0: it out it's available pretty cheap under the radar good stuff in the
1: shadow of the emperor edward yes sir let's talk some feld let's So I want to talk some Castles of Burgundy. Yes. Published in 2011 by Aaliyah, designed by the aforementioned Mr. Feld, Stefan Feld. Plays two to four players. In my opinion, is a fantastic two-player game. I agree with that. Is a really good three-player game. Mm -hmm. And four-player tends to play a little long because of downtime. Yes. So what's going on? In Castles of Burgundy, you're trying to fill your vast Burgundy estate's. With farms, buildings, and castles, all the while shipping goods and silver from your mines. Eh, who am I kidding? There's no theme here. It's just mechanics layered upon one another. Score points, chain actions to score points. You did say it was a fell. Yeah, right. After all, that's all it is. So, at the end, the player who has the most victory points is the winner. So, the dice mechanic is... The crux of the game, yeah, and it determines what region you can take settlement tiles from, which goods you can sell, and what spaces you can place previously acquired settlement tiles onto your estate. You're gonna take, you get two dice, you roll them, they're six sided dice, and that's going to dictate what what regions you can do those things in. Yes. Also, the good news though is they're extremely mitigatable. Yes, they are
0: with the workers, and I think that's important because. Dice can be, shall we say, random. Fickle or, or fickle. <laughs> or fickle. <laughs> and uh, so if you plan ahead, get some workers, use some useless die roll to acquire workers, then you're set up.
1: Yeah, so it, there's there's that randomness, but like we say, that's important to us, it's mitigatable. Right. Another thing that I really dig, and my wife really, really digs, is the individual player boards. Uh, a lot of people out there love having their own thing to build, whether oh, yeah. it's a, a castle or whether, you know, like in a ship. Right. Just whatever it is, people like being able to see what they're building. Mm-hmm. Even if they do poorly in the game, if they did something that their personal goal was, they feel good about it. And this game lets you do that. And everybody can have a unique Player board.
0: Yeah, there, there's, there's tons of players. There
1: patterns. are tons of different. There's even a new expansion of boards. Yep. There's, God, I want to say there's all, probably 20, 20 there. different boards out there. Aren't
0: there even like world championship boards that got made?
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I have those. As do I. They're awesome. So, tons of replayability there. It's also, I'd say, relaxing gameplay. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of times you and I talk about really tense, really stressful, really. Tough games. butt cheek glunging. Yeah, but this not so much pucker factor in this uh-uh. one. This is this is a pretty chill game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's also pretty newbie friendly, uh, but there's enough decisions for gamers to to be you know not bored and and really involved with the game. The graphic design is really good, actually, and there's lots of guides on the main board and the player board, which really the only thing that you ever have to reference the rules for. Are some of those special rule breaking tiles oh, the yeah. yellow tiles? Yeah. Uh, and even then, after a while, you're gonna you'll memorize them, and you only occasionally have to reference the rule book. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, it's one of my wife's favorite games. So if Mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So that works out. Right on. Uh, I would agree. One of my wife's favorite games too,
0: and I totally agree with what you said about the player count.
1: So there are a couple of, I guess, less than stellar things about it um like we said it it plays a little too long with four players it says it's two to four players and i think most people would agree that really it's a two or three player game Mm -hmm. there's little interaction but there is a little bit of screwage in that you can take tiles that you think somebody else wants like if they have a pasture that's all sheep and there's a sheep out there i don't necessarily need the sheep but i see you need it i can go up and gank those sheep from yeah. you. But other than that, it, this might be... And by gank, you
0: mean I can purchase them before you get a chance to. Yes, 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 yes. I'm not really ganking them out of your kingdom.
1: No, no, no. Not not off your player board, but I get them before you do. I would call it multiplayer solitaire for the most part.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: The artwork is pretty lackluster. It's Aaliyah's artwork that they've been known for, so it's kind of meh, you know? Yeah. Um, and the tiles... They're really thin cardboard, as are the player boards. But I'll be honest, you get a whole lot of game for thirty bucks or sub thirty bucks. I think it's twenty seven, mm-hmm. twenty eight bucks, so can't really complain about the the thinness of the cardboard no, too much. No, no. So, like I said, it's one of my wife's all time favorite games, and for that reason alone, I'd have to rate it at least a five. But I think a five oh, yeah. is a fair spot. We can play this anytime we have a free hour. It's easy, chill gameplay, makes it a really easy sell for those non-gamer spouses out there, and for less than 30 bucks, whole lot of bang for your buck in this Feldian design. And that's Castles of Burgundy. Time to get those engines revving. Let's talk a little Martin Wallace Automobile.
0: Automobile, the 2009 economic game from Martin Wallace. It's published by Mayfair Games, the edition that we've been playing, but of course there are other ones like Tree Frog. And the artist of the edition we've been playing is Frank Zarni. The player count for this game is 3 to 5. Officially. Officially. The length of the game is about 2 hours. So let's, uh, let's get rolling here with a few things. Let's talk about components and graphic design. Let's talk about the counters. They're very thick.
1: Yeah, all, all, the all the cardboard in this game is is definitely thick. Again, we're talking to Mayfair edition, right? Right. Uh, solid components. Gorgeous um, paper money. Oh yeah, it, arguably that and I'd say Arkwright are the two prettiest monies I've seen in for paper money in a oh. game.
0: Man, I think the I think Ark or I think Automobiles got that dialed over Arkwright and everybody. But anyway, my
1: opinion, my taste. So. I will say the Mayfair board, though, it's a little too busy, and it's easy to overlook some of the cardboard cars if you're not if there isn't a giant stack out there. That said, the Tree Frog edition board looks way cleaner and way easier to see. Plus, you know that Tree Frog version has all wooden components, so you know, yeah, wood, yay, yay.
0: I think the artwork on both games for the automobile spaces, the factory spaces is gorgeous. Oh,
1: as far as the actual cars themselves? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Rest of the board,
0: functional. Yeah, yeah. Not a beauty. Right. I, um, I, I do have one little, like, beef with the Mayfair version, and that's, you know, since everything is thick counters, the parts factories and the car factories look too much alike, and it's really, like, and plus they're flat. Have you ever heard of wooden fact Like I mean, <laughs> even in the deluxe version, they're flat pieces of wood. Right. But anyway, so, number one, the cardboard versions are the same color and they only have a little bit, bit different has of little iconography wrench. that's blended in. I mean, they're really hard to see. When you're looking over there, you go, well, no,
1: you've got three factories. Be like, no, no, it's I two, in, two, in, a two in our parts va- yeah. factory. Right. It's a little yeah. bit
0: of a pain in the butt. That, that's really my only like, graphic faux pas I have with the game.
1: But other than that, the component-wise, they're solid construction. I'm happy with the thickness. Just like you said, the the differentiation between the regular factories and a parts factory sucks. Yeah, it, it it Yeah, that's a good way to put it. How do you feel about the rule books quality? Its clarity. Oh, I think it's super clear. I, I think it's really good with one exception. There is there's one thing that's really we found really easy to misinterpret. That all cars are cleared at the end of the round, not just sold yeah. cars, which we made a mistake early on with. And yeah, so yeah, I think I think the rules are pretty
0: good. You know, we learned relatively easy. We did have to seek some clarification on things like that from the BGG forums, but overall, the rulebook's all right. Good. Yeah, and good. this is the, again the Mayfair I'd give it version.
1: A B. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah.
0: Availability and cost. Well, the Mayfair version's out there online for you yeah, know forty-five bucks or so.
1: And there, there are a the total of three versions of this game. Right. The Mayfair, which is just the basic standard cardboard for everything, for it, the most part. There is the Mayfair Deluxe, right, which comes in a wooden box. Yes. Is all kinds of fancy. It basically uses a lot of the components from the Tree Frog edition in this, but it has the Mayfair board, that yes. wooden box. It's a blend of the two. Yeah, in it the is wooden box. And then there, and that's that's available from online for 108 bucks pretty much anywhere you look. Yeah. And then the last but not least which is the tree frog edition which is the one I'm actively looking for and that runs I would say anywhere from 100 to 160 dollars and this is wood everywhere for everything. It even has wooden money yeah. in this one. And the board is completely different and I'll be honest if I had a, a choice it clearly would be The Tree Frog Edition board. Yeah. It's just from a function standpoint, the space is... It's it's, cleaner. It it really is. It's It's cleaner. It's The best way I think to know, I I know to describe it is a lot of 18xx uh, old school guys hate a lot of the new versions of stuff like 18-OE and stuff like that because they feel like it clutters the board Mm. too much. It's too hard to see. Well... They would prefer the tree frog edition of the board because it's just it, it's function over form, and, and which I'm in favor of as well. Just not with eighteen OE. So when it
0: comes to number of plays, this game's kind of weird for me because I played it four, five, six times, whatever, like from 2004 to 2010. Uh huh. And then I hadn't played it again.
1: For five years. Until the four or five times we just played yeah, this we, year. We busted out five plays of it, and we covered three-player, four-player, and five-player in all those plays. Yes.
0: Let's talk about the scalability of Automobile. Three-player.
1: I think we're going to have a difference of opinion, I think, as far as the scalability okay So let's also add in the two-player variant also. We have not really? played it. Well, hold on. We, we have not played it. However, with what we've experienced, I feel like we can speak to it. Two player. Okay. I
0: haven't even looked at a two ah. player variant. I feel it's it's not worth my time to look at
1: a two player variant of this game. And that's kind of what I was going to get at. Was three player? I think is fine, but I feel like that's that's the learning version of the game.
0: It is things because things are so open, right? Um, and it's easier and you to can track learn stuff. the mechanics, right? But we in one of our three player games it was you could play really aggressively and our game was pretty tight mm-hmm. when you do that. So but otherwise it's really just too easy to avoid each other.
1: Yeah, there's the, it just doesn't have that tension no. that a lot of people who are looking at this type of game are going to want. And right. that's not going to be the three player no, version. No, no. Now training wheels. Yeah. Now we went straight from... Spinning Jenny. You know, and I was going to bring that up, but I was like, I don't want to talk about too many other games, but yeah, yeah. I do feel like that's a perfect analogy that the three player is more the spinning Jenny version of Arc Ray as opposed Mm -hmm. to the water frame. We went straight from the three player to the five player, Mm -hmm. two different games. Oh yeah. Just completely two different games. The amount of stress, the amount of tension and the amount of, I don't want to call it chaos, because that's not true.
0: That's good, because I have a comment about chaos. It's not.
1: It, the, It's just, it's a much harder game as the player count goes up. Would you agree? Yes. So, I feel like this is a four or five player game. The end.
0: I agree with that. And it, I particularly love the tension and the difficulty
1: and the challenge of the five-player. I I, really want to play five-player automobile. And I'm not sure if I enjoy the four-player or five-player more, to be honest, but we'll get more into that here in a little bit. See, I think one reason that's important to have a higher player count in
0: automobile is that the game itself doesn't really offer any mechanisms for replayability. It's all about the variability of the players. And when you have five players then that that variability of the player's skill level and decisions, various things like that, really makes the variability and the replayability of the game come through. The game just sets up an economic framework that lets players create that replayability.
1: That's really well said. I, I, I completely agree with that. So why don't you tell them, now that we've talked a whole bunch about it, though, why don't you tell people what's going on? You bet. Let's uh
0: let's just give a taste of the action here. We're not going to talk too too in deep about too deep about it. It's a uh, game's been around for a while. The players in Automobile are competing in the United States auto industry in the early of 20th century. They're purchasing factories that will turn out low, medium and high valued vehicles. Game begins in 1893 and moves through history from there. The player with the most money at the end of the game is the winner. Now to get money, you need to build cars with your factories, but if you build more cars than there are demand for, not only you're going to lose the money that you spent to make those cars, but you're going to gain inefficiency cubes that will hurt you later in the game. Market demand for the cars that you produce is a random variable that will always be within a known range. Each player will know a portion of the market demand each round and must make their purchasing and manufacturing decisions based on the information they know and estimations of the total demand.
1: And that's where the difference in the player count really comes into play.
0: Yes. Players uh, can advertise or discount their cars in order to move their market share of the demand upwards. Of course, this is important because consumers love buying the latest and greatest. So as newer models roll out of the newer factories and make their way onto the market, they sell at the expense of the older models.
1: Think of it as Cult of the New for car buyers. Nice. And those older factories? Uh,
0: Yeah, they're going to give you more inefficiency cubes as time passes. But this encourages the players to keep pace with technology. Players can also fund distributorships around the country. But if they don't supply the distributors with enough vehicles to sell, they'll go bankrupt, providing you with still more inefficiency cubes. (laughs) Now, these inefficiency cubes can be removed by factory closings, but that of course has its own economic cost, as when you close a factory, you will lose some inefficiency cubes, but you'll never get the amount of money out of the factory that you put into the factory. And all of this in only four turns of three actions each. Luckily, the players can select a famous automotive personality from history on each turn to help them chart their way, and these personalities provide various bonuses or abilities for the turn in which they're selected. And that's automobile.
1: That summed it up pretty well.
0: So uh, let's talk about the weight of this game and what gives it that weight, sir.
1: So let's start with that. So let me ask you: notice, normally at this point, we say, "Hey, what makes (laughs) this game heavy?" Right? Or what makes this game medium? Right? I notice you didn't bring that. You didn't mention that this time. You know, uh, you're a wise and observant man. So why don't you tell people why that is? I think,
0: just like the replayability, the weight of the game increases with the player count.
1: Yeah. At at three-player, I would call this a medium-weight game. I agree with you. A four-player and five-player is when you start getting into heavy game territory. Yes, sir. So, with that in mind, let's roll into the complexity. Lead us. Well, honestly, I feel like the complexity is fairly low here as far as, you know it's not in the rules the complexity is not in the rules right teaching the game can be a bit of a pain in the butt for one aspect you're trying to explain that there's three ways and three different times to sell cars and how demand tiles are only one of those ways it's been difficult for us to teach that it's one of those shut up quit asking You'll, you'll understand when you see it, you'll, right. you'll, it'll click when you, right. it's one of those things to where you just have to see how it works for it to make sense. But once you see it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I gotcha. But once you do,
0: boom, that's it. I mean, you could pretty much only build factories, make cars, you know, that kind of stuff. So the complexity is not in what you can do. It's how those things fit together.
1: Right. Plus having that phase track on the board, it makes things easy to follow. Oh, yeah. Um, Printing out player aids from BGG, only you know, is really the only referencing of the rules that we ever really had to make yeah. um, for the uh, for the special abilities for the, of the roles of the characters. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Outside of that,
0: but then you start learning them,
1: right? But even so, it's like, wait, hold on, is it which one can I build factories where I already have them? Is that you know Howard? Is that Crichton? You know, whoever it is, it, it, it helps clarify that. But outside of that, complexity-wise, I'd say that's about it. Let me give you my
0: take, then, on the planning required okay. to play this game. I think there's, it, it's in both camps. There's a tactical element, just like business. Every turn, I need to reassess the position of my business and those businesses of my competitors and make immediate adjustments. I need to build new factories, close old ones, make more cars, make less cars, whatever it is. And then strategically, just like business... I need to manage all that and grow my business value over the time frame of the game through the smart reinvestment of the funds that I make and business loans that I can get. I can reinvest those back into my business in a smart manner. And at the end of the game, I hope I have the most valuable company.
1: Well, geez, thanks for taking it all right there, man. (laughs) What? No. Do you agree? Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. That's what I'm saying. There's there's not a whole lot left because you there's, can't really plan too far ahead. No, because you don't know turn order is going to come into play. You don't know what the other players are going to do. They they absolutely if you're later in turn order, that absolutely can dictate what actions you want to take. Uh, there's only three actions per round, four rounds, so that's twelve actions in the game. Vino, send anybody right so not doing the right action at the right time and like i said others actions can make you change this on the fly can just be crushing if you make if you make a a plan at the beginning of the round and you are not willing to change off of that plan based on what happens during that round Mm -hmm. you're as good as sunk
0: so other than initial turn order what's random in this game
1: Really? Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Yeah, no. no so no. let's move on. Once to... we got rid of the <laughs> dice. Yes. All right, so we're going to talk more about this as we go on, but the demand tiles. This sure. this is either you appreciate how it thematically makes sense or you hate the game due to these demand tiles. That is the deciding factor right there. Yes, it, I agree. I think it
0: is very thematic. It's always in a range you can calculate, and it affects everyone evenly.
1: Let me let me bring up something that you just brought up about you can calculate the range, right? Mm-hmm. One of the guys from our guild, Brian, or as his username is not Jeff. Right. He, he said, "quote." We just call him not Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Paul Chad, not <laughs> Jeff. Not Jeff. Right. For what it's worth, I don't have much much problem with the randomness. We do print out some player aid charts that spell out a lot of the demand oh, statistics yeah. for each player count, minimum, maximum. ...average, most likely, etc., you know 1 slash N of the elements of the demand and you can observe your neighbors to infer something about the rest of it. Right. The result of that is you can select a risk profile you're happy with. If you're doing well, you can, if you like, play it safe at the risk of losing some profit. You know, maybe you produce less cars... Uh, you can instead push it and maybe uh, take a bath on some of the extra cars. Of course, if you do, you could advertise or discount or mitigate some of that risk, etc. And getting back to the yeah. demand tiles, there's a range because there are 16 demand tiles. There are four twos, four threes, four fours, four fives. And in a five player game, 10 of them will be chosen. You just don't know which 10 and you know well i guess you know two you you know 20% of them mm-hmm. in a five player game it's that other 80% but we'll get more into yeah. this here in a little bit but that is the deciding factor whether or not you're probably going to like this game i wonder if you agree with this statement okay
0: given all the things that are going on the length of the game isn't really that long it's only a 2 hour game Essentially,
1: maybe two and a half
0: with five and new players. So I really don't think that the length of the game has any weight bearing. It doesn't contribute. You're saying? Well, but is it is it reversed in this game? Because because of the you only get the twelve actions and the, the it adds weight to each de- decision I make with each action. Each action is more important, so it's not like the length... The length of the game, in reverse, due to its brevity, adds to the weight of the game.
1: So, let me... It's
0: not a four-hour game type of heaviness. This is a... This is is ending soon, and you have limited actions, don't screw up game. How long do you think it takes someone to get a game?
1: I'd say a quarter of the game. Once you go through... Uh, I.e., a turn. Yeah, once you go through a full round and you see how the game plays out starts to make sense by the end of the first game you're ready to go in with a plan for the second game knowing that it's probably likely to go to hell early because quote unquote no battle plan survives contact with the enemy right? right that's right so what do you think would you agree with that
0: absolutely i would one turn is critical to your understanding of the game helps a lot because there's two demand shifts to worry about. But, sure. but well, You understand for the sure. mechanics yes. of the game, yes.
1: but the actual strategy and... Strategy. Like a, until you play a four or five player game, you're not going to understand just how much of an ass kicker it's going to be yeah. because it really, it almost seemed friendly in a sense our first three-player hmm. game, we were like, oh, yeah, hey, good job. You've met demand. Yeah, and during you, the blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, that's not too bad. And then we played the five-player, and we were like, holy cow. Yeah, man.
0: Let's discuss the things that make this game enjoyable to heavy cardboard.
1: Well, for me, first off, is I have five plays in, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. I feel like there's a ton more to learn about how to play the game even halfway well. I just... There, there There's... I am by far not a master of this game. I don't feel like... I feel like I have enough knowledge to where I can speak intelligently about the game. But strategically, I'm still a neophyte. Cool. And I dig that. Yeah.
0: One of the things I enjoy about the game is its unforgiving nature. It's... You know, there's 12 actions. Each one counts. The ways to lose money in this game are numerous and brutal. And you're not really going to be making up any lost money. So it's it's a experience first, lesson later type of game.
1: <laughs> well, from the first decision of what role to select in the very first round to where you build your first factory, and how many factories are you going to build? Are you going to build one or two? That's critical. And like you said, every single decision feels like if you make the wrong decision, it can cost you the game. Mm-hmm. That one wrong decision. And, I mean, extremely tense. In a good way. I also like that this game is competitive.
0: It's highly competitive. This is like, this is like a Just business... Just
1: like the autom- automotive market back then, or a- at any time, right?
0: This game could have been named Business War. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, things you do, jumping ahead on the technology track which is the factory track. It's like every space is further technologically advanced cars. Right. Making cars, advertising them or discounting them to undercut somebody, buy a couple of cars, make them screw up their calculation on the demand, playing your salespeople correctly. Um, like one, the, the thing that stands out for me from our uh, four-player game we did the other day was in the last turn, I built a one factory in a $600 brown factory spot. Only because, A, I'm going to get that 600 bucks back at the end of the game. B, it caused one extra loss cube to be put down the line in all the other brown factories. And I caused one player to close their factories before they wanted to. That was me. And lose a little bit of money. Yep. And everybody else had, you know. So, I mean, you can just do, like, dick moves like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm kind of of the same kind of idea... You're given a lot of tidbits of information. Who selected Howard? Who's putting out distributors? You know two of the demand tiles after the first round. Right. Where where on the production track each factory is and you know turn order. You have to take all you have to merge all those little tidbits of information to help you determine which cars and how many of those cars are you going to produce, where to open factories and or which factories to close. And if you do a poor job merging that information, you're going to take a bath in lost cubes. Yeah. Sure, you can take a loan, but it should be taken only when absolutely necessary, because it's fifty dollars a turn and six hundred dollars at the end of the game. The six hundred dollars being the five hundred for the loan plus the hundred in interest.
0: I think that this game, in spite of everything we said, is very rewarding. When you have a good round. And you're handing out the cash for sales, and you've taken in more than the other players. You know what? Feels good. Oh. And when you screw somebody out of selling two cars, mm, feels good. Turn that knife a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Be mm-hmm. like,
1: oh, 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 did you, did you overproduce? Oh, 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 did you not? Oh, I'm sorry. So closing factories, like you talked about early, which you made me do uh, in that four-player game. It helps prevent lost cubes, and it removes half the ones you already have, and it gives you much-needed capital in the game. However, you're going to lose money by doing it if you do. If and when and where all comes into play and makes for even more tough decisions. Do I close this factory? Can I hold off? Can I eat the lost cubes and not get rid of half the lost cubes that I have already, just to be able to hold out to where I make that extra 100 per factory at the end of the game by not closing it.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I think those decisions are sometimes obvious. Like, oh, gee, I need to make some cars, or I need to get some salesmen out there, or whatever. Some distributors, they call them. Right. But the tension is, is in the scope of those decisions and the shape they get from what the other players are doing or not doing, what you think they might be doing. So then, it comes to okay. I guess I need to produce cars. How many should I do it with this action or the next one? Should I just wait till next turn? What kind of car should I jump ahead? You know what? I probably should only place two distributors out there. You know, there's all like you said. I mean, it's it's
1: yeah, death by a million cuts. Million, million possibilities. Right. So turn order matters, but it depends whether you know what you're trying to do. On where you want to be, whether you want to be early or late. So, in a lot of games, being first player, like say in Agricola, mm-hmm. is really, really important a lot yes. of times. In this, it isn't a must-have. And in fact, it could be a detriment depending on what you want to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Not only the special abilities of the roles that the turn order dictates, but it's also... Maybe you don't really care about the special ability. You just really want to be late in turn order. Or first. Or first. Or or or, or somewhere in between because you want to see what either a specific player is trying to do or what he's going to do in what order. Or you just want to have the hammer to be able to make that last minute adjustment. Be like, oh, I was going, oh, wait, you did that? Okay. I'm going plan B instead.
0: And I like that there's a turn order to selecting the turn order right the order in which you pass an executive uh, action determines the order in which you select the role which determines the turn order for, the, th- next for turn. the next round and so that really affects the
1: executive actions and with only 12 actions there's a surprising variety in the strategies out there you could either diversify and try and go for you know all three you know makes and models mm-hmm. of cars you could try and push technology and maybe only focus on one and two or you could just focus on one and two and not push technology, yeah. um, I never built a luxury car last game, yeah, I won, yeah, just it there's just there, there's no
0: like one true path not that, that, that I've found right? yeah. now
1: and again, you know,
0: there probably is there's pretty people out there who probably played this hundred and fifty times that will
1: I don't know, I don't know that that's the case to be honest, I'm sure people will let us know mm-hmm. if they think otherwise, but no i don't I don't feel like there's. There's a certain path to victory. I think it's going to dictate on what your opponents are doing, on what the right path is to take. And are you reactive? Or do you make your opponents be reactive, you know, based on where you go in turn order? and all? It's just, there's, for only 12 actions, man, there's a lot to figure out.
0: Um, I think other than when players are APing, there's really not any downtime, because you really need to be watching what people are doing so that you can figure out what you're going to be doing.
1: I really dig the way the distributors work. Yep. Uh, You know, one for me, one for you, but am I going to place it on the middle so that they have the flexibility to be able to go produce or to be able to go out and sell mass market cars or luxury cars? Or do I just put them up there because I only have luxury cars, so I can't put them anywhere else? But then again, if I put them there and they sell luxury cars... They're not going to be able to be used to be able to sell the mass market cars next turn. And maybe I need distributors down there. I just, I love how it seems like such a simple mechanic and a simple way to do it. But it just, it just feels right. It just works. Uh, One more thing
0: and then a question for you from me. Okay. The one more thing is, I'm going to use that E word, elegant. I think that this game does something Rather elegantly and abstracted and, and simply. And that is that since the factory spaces represent technological advancement and cars are sold in the order of technology and factories that are less advanced earn progressively more loss cubes, the competition for sales opportunities and having more efficient factories drives us to spend the money on moving forward technologically. So it's kind of a little model of competition and the search for profits. Driving innovation
1: yeah, I could see yeah, yeah that's, thematically. that's exactly, yeah th- it, it totally fits, so what's the question
0: do you feel that victory in this game is lucky or earned? Oh, it's earned,
1: oh clearly i i, I don't think there can be any argument now let let me give it and i I, I don't want to single this out saying that you got lucky that's i I, I want to preface that 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 wasn't the case. But in one of the games that we played, we as a table screwed up in the first round by allowing you to have a monopoly on the mid-range cards. And you got out to a lead with that that as long as you didn't screw it up, you were probably going to win that game based on what we as a group had screwed up inadvertently. Um, And we realized, I, I had mentioned it, I'm like... I feel like we might have just lost the game. But yeah. it still required you to not screw up. You guys immediately recognized and took
0: action. So, yeah, I had to play well. Right. And that was just the game teaching us, oh, Can't let don't somebody let do don't that, don't do that right. anymore. Right. Um, but this, I, this is a business war.
1: But I think that was, and I felt like that was... That was appropriate. If we let if you let somebody have a monopoly, they're going to have an advantage. Yeah. And it, it just again, thematically, it makes total sense. So I got a couple other things. Okay. The losses really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to play it too safe and underproduce, as then you're left in the dust by those that push the envelope. But if you push too far, you're foobard. Yes. Because not only did you pay to produce the cars. But then if you don't sell them, you not only get lost cubes for each and every car that you didn't sell, you then lose those cars. I yes. mean, that's... And then those lost cubes don't go away unless you do something to get rid of them and you have to pay for them every round. And, okay, 10 bucks a, a cube, you have four lost cubes at uh, at the end of the first round, 40 bucks. Uh, that's not a big deal. Right. Those four have babies <laughs> as it goes on and... There was one game. I think I spent almost right around a thousand dollars mitigating lost cubes
0: during the course of the game. Yeah,
1: during the course of the game, and that absolutely cost me the game. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I just I played like crap, and I got punished for it as I should. But I, I like that. Again, that's the that's the the masochist in me that enjoys that <laughs> yes. pain because I can't you know play well apparently. So we've talked about how things fit thematically. It just... The game does. It makes sense. As does the lack of control and knowledge of all of the the demand tiles. There's enough unknown to keep the human calculators from playing perfectly. And in my opinion, in this case, it's okay. 18xx games, perfect information games. This one, not so much, but it feels like it fits thematically. Yeah.
0: And it doesn't drive me crazy because you know how I am with with weird, random with, with weird random. But like we mentioned, it's a calculatable range. It's a pretty fairly narrow range. It's not like the range is two to fifty right. for demand. And every player knows a piece of it, and every player has to face that demand for good or for ill. So it's not. It's it's not like I rolled dice or drew a card that screwed or helped only me. Everyone is in the same environment.
1: Obviously, we're talking about the demand tiles mm-hmm. here. And again, like like we uh, we hinted at or, or said earlier, this is the make or break whether or not you are a fan of the game or not. Right. So, as people know. Neither of us really enjoys a lot of randomness, especially in our heavier games. With that said, you tend to be a little bit more, how do you say, less tolerant of randomness in games. True statement. Than I am. Even more so than I am, I should say. Right. Why are you okay with it then? Well, like I just said,
0: everyone is in the same environment. Everyone is facing a range of 11 to 20 Demand, or, or, whatever or whatever it, it, it might right, be.
1: Right.
0: So that's a. It's a limited range. It's an. It's a known range. I know twenty percent or twenty five percent or whatever percentage of the information, based on player count. Based on player count, because I'm looking at a tile or two. I can sometimes infer Ed's making a bunch of cars. He might have a five. <laughs> you know, um, and. And everyone's affected by it evenly. If the if the demand is seventeen, everyone is facing a demand of seventeen. So a couple, I'm not facing a seventeen, and you a twenty.
1: Right, right, right. And that's kind of okay, as opposed to a different as a card draw. Your card's going to be different than my card. What we draw, you know, whether it's. Yeah. A card in Craftsman, you know, a money card there. Or whether it's a, a, a card in a CDG, mm-hmm. you know, different events or whatever. Right. Legrand, huh? Right. Uh, there you go. Agricola. So you're saying, and, and just to make sure that I'm clear on this. Okay. The fact that if we were to draw a card, it would be a card that works for the whole table. It's one card. And it's kind of that same idea to where it's a universal... It affects everyone evenly. Right. Right? And, they, and so that's the, that's the, the, your un, definition. the only
0: the only uneven factor is my tile might be a three, yours might be a four or a two or a five. So you will only but none- nevertheless mm-hmm. the range is known, the range is manageable, calculable, and
1: not discriminatory. And that right there, I think, is what the point is. Yeah. Is for you specifically. And I would yeah, I'd say you specifically. Your tolerance for randomness is just perfectly explained with that. That if it's universal
0: and sensible, can, and this right. is sensible, I, I don't want to lose a two-hour game because I rolled a one.
1: Right. Sensible being mitigatable or thematic. What What is all, it? You mean all by? of that stuff? Okay.
0: And all of that has its application.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. And. Going back to those tidbits of information that you kind of that you kind of hit on and, and that I explained earlier, you draw demand tiles before you choose roles. So you can kind of see, you can piece the puzzle together to a point. and this is why it's so important to pay attention when it's not your turn, because what role everyone takes, and then with that role, what they're doing—are they producing a lot of cars? Or are they producing mm-hmm. few cars? Depending on where they are on the technology track as well, you can start to piece together a tighter range of what their tiles may be, Yes. or where their tile—you know—if if the mass market car, the mass market cars are going to get the higher tile, then you can see how those guys are producing cars or not, as it were. And like in business, that's called reading the competition. Right. And that's, that's where that, that, you can't mitigate it, but you can in a sense that you can read the actions that everyone's doing and kind of infer from there.
0: I can decide for myself what my risk level is from turn to turn to turn.
1: And that's why you're okay with the demand tiles. Yes, this.
0: and and I agree with what you said earlier, it is thematic to what's going on.
1: Because you don't know what don't the know. what the public's going to want right. necessarily. Right. You can advertise. Want to sell so
0: more we, cars? Open some distributorships.
1: And we haven't even touched on select Howard. We haven't even touched on the advertising and the discounting as well.
0: Right. That that helps you sell cars to that demand, and
1: you know, sell extra hurt your cars. competitors. Right. At the same time. All right. So we're talking about all these things that we really really like, or or like, mm-hmm. if not really like. There's got to be some things that we don't. Mm. Seriously?
0: There's nothing I don't like about automobile. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing you
1: right. can say on the negative side about right.
0: this. Yeah, there's nothing I don't like. There's some things that, you know, maybe people don't like, you know, right. Mat- right. mathy calculations. Well, yeah, and... I,
1: I have four, so All let right. me hit on these. All right. I will uh, uh, expound with you. All right. First off, we've hit on it. We beat it to death. The demand tiles—you like it or love it, yep. The or uh, you hate it or, or or love it. End of story. Like you said, it's heavy on the math and it's constant math. Yeah. It's to be expected in a heavy economic game, but it's going to turn some people off. But then again, if you're looking for a heavy economic game, you're expecting the math. So what is it you expected? Calculations, estimations,
0: and plain old guessing. Yep. Yep, wags. If you don't like it? Pick the game. Yep,
1: <laughs> AP inducing in some folks. Yeah, I.E. Yeah. me. There, there <laughs> are times to where I just I sit and I study and I just lock up, and it's rare that I AP this much. Um, but I found myself pressuring myself because I could feel you know four sets of eyes beating down on me. <laughs> this game teaches you how to play over the course of
0: the game several plays of the game yeah and how to so play it well yeah i mean so right. if you like games that fart rainbows and have catch-up mechanisms then don't play this one
1: yeah it's it's unrelenting or it's this business un- unforgiving i guess is the right way to put mm-hmm. it graphically speaking i and i touched on this earlier the board while nice to look at i think the board actually impedes play speaking of the mayfair version i think it actually hurts the play because there are times to where I've missed counting cars mm-hmm. just because yeah. I couldn't see the, the cars on the space. Whereas I think in the Tree Frog version, that, becomes, that, that that's moot. Or you get, I think it's a $16 upgrade with the package of wooden cars. And I think that would help offset yeah. it because it's not just little uh, cardboard chits yep. on the busy uh, board. Beautiful to look at, just as far as play. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a copy of
0: Automobile. I don't own a copy of Automobile.
1: Yeah, you're gonna get my copy once I get my tree. I'm out. gonna
0: totally pimp it with wooden factories and wooden cars, and yep. and I'm gonna get like wooden other buildings to represent the distributorships and all and you, kinds of you stuff. You
1: printed out heavy cardboard money. Heavy
0: cardboard money
1: because the paper awesome.
0: money that comes in the game is beautiful, but it's paper money.
1: And so you you actually, non-functional. You printed out uh, you know the heavy cardboard elephant with the denominations and yeah. laminated it. Yes, because laminated paper money is good. works it works money. well. Right. All right, so that's that's pretty much all I got for what's not the like. Give us your summary, sir. So Martin Wallace has created a gamers game in which being a cutthroat, take no prisoners, auto baron is rewarded. Like many heavy economic games out there, there's very little room for error. Yet in this one, it has a theme that fits like a glove. A Wallace game that I'm sad that it took me this long to discover. Nice. For me, like I said earlier,
0: if you called this game business war, I think it'd perfectly describe the intention of Martin's design. The game's competitive, it's frustrating, and the players add the weight and the players add the variability. It's incredibly fun, unforgiving, and rewarding.
1: Cool? Alright, so let's do let's go into our ratings. Now You've driven the last few games just because of the auction and because right. of me working so much and everything. So I keep having to give my rating first. Not tonight, okay. sir. Not tonight. I am tired of it. I'm putting my foot. Well, down. before
0: I give my rating, I'm going to remind everyone what the scale is. It's a 1 to 6 scale, where a 1 is basically it's not me game, it's you. I have no interest in ever playing this game again. Light it on fire. Yeah,
1: literally light it on fire because damn you if you give it away to somebody else and put that hell on them. Shame on you.
0: A two rating is, sorry game, it must be me, not you. Uh, I just don't like it. You know, Notre Dame, Glenmore, LaGranha, Zia.
1: (laughs) No, no, I think that might be... Anyway, go ahead. Number three,
0: the rating of a three is that we feel the game is below average. There is probably some redeeming feature or mechanic, but overall,
1: meh. Yeah, it, it, there's stuff in it we like, but overall it's just, like you said, meh. A four rating is
0: above average game. Pretty good. It's mechanically uh, sound or there's some really great stuff going on in the gameplay. We may even wish to own a copy.
1: Yeah, this is, this is the point at which we start to look at do I or ask, or ask the question, do I want to own a copy? A
0: five is where we're, we really strongly like the game. It could be terrific, great, even game, and we're much more likely to own a copy. Yep. And a six is the no brainer, Hall of Famer, like go buy it. Yeah, sight unseen, just. If you like what we like, go buy, buy it. it. Yep. And the key point in there is there's no middle ground. There's no, it's not a one to five. When you pick a three, it's a one to six. Yep. It's, there's, yeah. no, there's no 3.5. So, um, I'm first, huh? Yep. Well, I appreciate and enjoy this economic knife fight a lot. I'm gonna give the game a five rating because brass is a six and I really, really, really like brass better. But I love this game. It's a five for me.
1: I you uh damn you, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> you told me to go first. But yeah. I, <laughs> no, and, and that that's my delineation right there. Is I think brass, I enjoy brass more. Yeah. I think brass is a better game, but and they're, really but, they're, en- but they're drastically different right sure sure but i really enjoy this game so if brass is a six that means this has got to be a five by default so yeah i have it as a five and that's automobile so we're going to try out a new segment tonight very exciting and it's ask heavy cardboard earlier today i posted on twitter on facebook and on our guild if you have any questions, we're recording episode 19 tonight. Hit us up. And some of the questions that were asked us are going to be about automobile specifically. Yes. And there are more questions that aren't. And we encourage this. I think this is great. We got yeah. a ton of... We, we're going to answer them all, but we, we got a ton of questions tonight. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, based on uh, the response we got from this, I mean... This, Maybe this, we do it yeah, weekly or every weekly episode. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, every episode.
1: So, without further ado, we'll we'll go ahead and start off with the automobile questions. Seems seems to make sense. Patrick Hiller asked, who is Kettering? Charles Franklin Kettering, born August 29th, 1876, and passed away November 24th or 25th, they're not sure, 1958. He was an American inventor, engineer, businessman, and the holder of 186 patents. Yeah, man. He was the founder of Delco. And was the head of research at GM from 1920 to 1947. And that last part is the reason why he's in the game. Yeah, some of the automotive inventions that he
0: led during research and development and through other things, other parts of his career, were leaded gasoline, electric starting motor, Freon, and modern auto paint.
1: So that makes sense that he, in the game... He's the one who gives you 3 R&D cubes because he was the head of R&D at GM for what? 27-28 years. Yeah. So that makes sense. That's pretty cool.
0: Michael Roderick asked us if he should buy Automobile even if he own, already owns Brass and Age of Steam. Absolutely. The games are so drastically different. Completely different. And you know, different experiences, different strengths and and areas of of
1: fun. So go get them. So Gary F asked, "I've heard that it had uh, automobile has a runaway leader problem, and I'd be interested in any comments you have on that." In the example that I gave, that if you allow monopolies on one of the three levels of cars, I guess there could be, in, in some respects, a runaway leader. Uh, that was the one that I was talking yeah, about. How yeah. we, as long as you didn't screw it up. Right. That said, outside of that example. I can't really say that there's a really a runaway leader. Yeah. But then again, there's only five plays, and I have a lot more to explore in the game. So yeah. maybe it's possible, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think only if
0: players screw up is there a runaway leader. And the more players you play with, the less likely that probably is to happen. The game does not suffer a catch-up mechanism, though. So if it happens, it does happens, not suffer fools. That's correct. It's just tight economic landscape. Mm-hmm. Nuno Santiero asked us what yes, is your favorite that Nuno says that arrow, Nuno. Right? He asked us, what is your favorite character to start the game? Uh, what I wrote, I wrote down three in particular order, and I adapt this selection based on where I'm picking. I might not be able to pick person A or person B. Okay. So if it's the first turn of the game, I, I am going to try to get Kettering, Howard, or Duran.
1: okay. And, and touch on what those three do really. Kettering quick. for the cubes mm-hmm. and
0: early ish in the turn order. Um, Howard to sell two cars because maybe I could get really lucky and and get some uh, more expensive cars going. The luxury cars would are way or down if somebody way pushes, down, but pushes or, technology. Right, or uh, maybe I'll just get you know a better factory going on and just sell more cars than the demand will allow. And uh, Duran allows, of course, me to uh, build a factory immediately. So boop, I get to stick something out on the board. First
1: factory on the in the game. Right. For me, I just went with one. Like he asked what's your favorite one? So provided he's available when I choose, for me it's Howard. Hmm. Just because I love it, because in the first round there's only demand for the mid range car. Yes, you can sell through your distributors, but outside of that You're not selling mass market and you're not selling luxury. So if you get into either of those markets, it allows you a jump on those to be able to get those out ahead of time. You guarantee some profit.
0: Yes. Apparently he was one heck of a salesman.
1: (laughs) must have been, right? Uh, So Ken Sin asks, Officially the game supports three to five players, but most of our games are played at two-player count. I know there are a handful of two-player variants and we're playing 80 to 90% of our games two-player. Should we still pick up the game? No, no. Um, the game shines with four and five. Five. So, so no. I the game no, four, is, is great. Yeah, the, four is great. Yeah, four
0: great. I just love even
1: five. if even if your play group were two or three players, I'd still say no. Unless you're a collector and you just want to have it for those occasions in which you're going to play with more players. But if your main group is two or three, I'd say no. So we had two people ask the same question: not Jeff
0: and DK Eisen. Both ask questions about the random demand, demand tiles times. and if right. they help ruin the game or uh, super important to success, you know. And do you feel the information sufficient to make proper decisions, et cetera, et cetera? And uh, I don't. Know, I think we kind of yeah. I think covered we that, hit on that pretty well. That pretty definitely.
1: Well. Benjamin Leggett asks, uh, or kind of just said, talk about how you guys learn slash taught the game and what you would have done differently if you taught it again. Let's
0: just address the teaching part of that. Okay, and that is like you mentioned during the show sometimes it's like hey just let me get through this and explain it it's going to make sense to you even though you don't understand it now and that but that's hard for players to accept and uh, and we play with players that want they they try to win mm-hmm. and they want to learn because that's going to help them win and be better competitors for us in the game what I'd love to do the next time we teach the game is play one training round and then just reset the board and go. Let's see. The last automobile question is from uh, a good friend of ours, Brian Olmstead. And he said, where does automobile rank in the Wallace games that you've played? Let me start on yes, this. Yes,
1: sir. And this kind of will piggyback on another question that got asked by another listener that I haven't played enough Wallaces. Yeah. Or. Let I've, played, me, I've let, played seven. Let me rephrase that. That's not enough. There are a bunch up there on yeah. my wall that I think are going to be really, really good, but we haven't played them yet, and so I can't really answer that. Yeah, I'm looking at 13. Yeah. And if so, I've played seven, right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's too it's small of a it's seven sample. of those. Right. So, right. so I didn't really answer it. Okay. Um. So I, I would put brass number one. Yeah. Um. Automobile
0: and, number two. I don't know. That's Maybe me. a
1: few acres of snow might be my number two. Um, but anyway, go ahead. You take the list. <coughs>
0: Halifax hammer.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So, Bryman for me, brass is number one. Automobiles number two. And then after there, I'd probably say of the seven I've played, Steam, Gettysburg, First Train from Nuremberg, Struggle Vampires, and A Study in Emerald. Haven't played any others of the seven I've played. That's how I'd rank those.
1: You haven't played Age of Steam?
0: No. No need to play Age of Steam. I agree. Moving on. Moving on to non automobile yeah, questions. Yeah, so that's
1: it. So thanks for all those automobile questions, guys. Awesome. Hopefully, we got Continue. you the answers you wanted, or at least answered them and maybe not the way you wanted them. Jason <laughs> Obermeier asks Which thematic games do we enjoy? You go first. Okay. So good. that we end on a happy note. I want
0: to make sure that here's what I consider a thematic game. I think that's the politically correct term for Ameritrash. It's an immersive game. It might be narrative-based, atmospheric. It features action, combat, dice, character development, whatever. Some examples might be uh, Battlestar Galactica, War of the Ring, Descent,
1: Flashpoint. What about a game like Panamax? We're talking non-euro here, right? It, We're talking non-Euro. non-euro. Okay, all right. right? There's, yeah, so okay. that's what I think. Like like I
0: said, Battlestar Galactica, War of the Ring, things like that, Zia. So uh, which thematic games do we enjoy? For For me... None.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I um, uh, I I actually used to play those when I began in the hobby, bootlegger and descent and all this stuff. But I, I'm just for whatever reason, my tastes have just changed, you know. So now I'm just totally. They're beneath anxious. you, is what you're saying. No, not at all. Oh, They're, that's
1: exactly what you're saying. You just yeah. won't say it on the show. No, I I do not feel that way <laughs> uh, because.
0: You know, I think everyone, I mean, you like what you like.
1: Sure. You know, it's... Obviously... Who, who am I to judge? I mean, I, Splendor One game of the year for BGG, right? You know, I,
0: I don't know all this, you know, BS about elitist and crap like that. There's... That's not me. That's not us. People right. You like what you like. No, man. I'm just...
1: Yeah, I'm just pulling your leg on this and trying to get you in trouble. So, for me, thematic game that I enjoy, the first one that jumped off the, off the page for me, is my all-time number one game. And let me give a little bit of a background on this. I absolutely love HeroScape. All right? It's that old... Who was it? Hasbro, I think? Who nah. Meta- I, Milton I don't Bradley? Know. Yeah, I don't know. Parker Brothers? Anyway, uh, a- anyway um, I'm sure everybody who's listening knows what HeroScape is. If you don't, go look it up. For me, the reason HeroScape just fits for me so well is I grew up always wanting to be able to build uh, model railroad train layouts. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't care about the trains themselves growing up. I, I, you know, HO scale N scale, whatever, I don't care. I just always wanted to be able to build the layouts and we were always too poor and we always moved around too much and we never had space for me to build something like that. So I never got a chance to. So when we were getting into the hobby, what, two and a half, almost three years ago now, I have a house, I have room, I have enough money to be able to afford that, but I found HeroScape and being able to build the mer- the terrain and the maps and everything and kind of just let your imagine go with how you want to build it, that almost kind of scratches that childhood itch for mm, me nice. that has never gone away. That just, I love the idea of building terrain and building landscape and all that. And so I don't even know if it's the game of HeroScape so much as just the building of all that and what that invokes for me from my childhood, sure.
0: So, but well, you, know, well, you yeah. know,
1: now that you uh, you bring that up, yeah, you know, I'm a
0: miniature war gamer, right? I guess you know what that's thematic, sure. Because of, I mean, man, you're you know, <laughs> building fences and trees and painting soldiers and having combat and stuff. It's yeah, all right. So I do like that. So and miniatures, miniature thematic miniatures. Right. You like zombies? I like zombies. So
1: yeah, all right. There's that. All right.
0: The Department of Subjectivity, one of our Twitter followers, asked what Bandu-slash-Bossack- rules do you guys play he mentioned they play the canadian variant which
1: you're gonna have to learn me on because normally all we play is the standard auction one right right the, the, the base all for game.
0: sale or for refuse right
1: um and we also play the one that's in a line i forget the name of that
0: yeah i can't remember either but you where you, everyone's drafting pieces right right and then you can select from the first one in line from any player right yeah
1: so those are the only two that i've played so, same here same okay here. so tell me about this canadian and i have so, a variant yeah. that i want to okay. try as well
0: um well the Mr activity made me interested in what's this Canadian variant and so it's not in the rule book so I I did find it on BGG in the variant section and basically it's like a community tower and each player will select a non-red piece that will be part of the base of the tower and the rule is that the piece must touch both the table and another piece so if there are four players there's this like four pieces that form the base and then from there players will build the tower up Oh, okay. But here's how it works. I will take a piece, let's say I'm sitting to your right, and I'll pass it to you on my left, and you will either place that piece, and if you knock over the tower because I handed you some jerk piece, I get a point. But you can say, you know what? You place this and give it back to me, and then I have to place it. But if I don't knock the tower over, then I get a point from that. Oh, that's cool. And then it's your I turn. Did, yeah, it sounds, All right. yeah, it sounds that kind of interesting. Fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to try that. Yeah.
1: So the one that I thought of, and and this might be a variant out there already. I just was thinking about this. We both like, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, so I apologize. But Nuhaimet, mm-hmm. right? And that's a closed economy, or, or something like in uh, you know, yeah, we'll use that as the example. In the base game with the auction, whether you know you auction to win it or to not win it, the gems go back into the bag. What about the idea of you pay the auctioneer? Yeah. Unless the auctioneer wins, yeah. then he has to pay out of the game. Uh, yeah, it'd be worth exploring. It yeah, might, I, some some f- fashion of a closed economy. Yeah, I, I dig that idea. I yeah. think that'd be fun. So, yeah, so that's that. All right. Todd Cock asks, What heavy game has elegant, streamlined rules, yet depth and difficult decisions? And I think you and I are going to differ on this. Because my, my first thought... Is I wrote down. It's early to say, but I feel like Virsindas Volk might fall into that category. But you pointed out, I feel like they have a lot of the
0: our game. We played a game and it ended like after the first round because we'll talk about because it's easy to screw up. Sure. So I think you know maybe it's basically simple, but it's really easy to screw up. I think you need to play a few games.
1: All right. A couple other games that I thought of were a couple of splatter games, Antiquity which low rules overhead, and the Great Zimbabwe, also low rules overhead. Um, and I thought about democker because the mm. rules are fairly straightforward and it's, it's really procedural. And if you have that player aid in front of you, it shows you step-by-step step yeah. how things are going to go. So I think that qualifies. It what do might, you think? Might. Yeah? Might. Okay.
0: What you got? Well, one of them I said was... Automobile. The rules are simple. I'm going to build a factory, close a factory, make cars. So, but you'll yeah, get three nah. actions a turn. But it's <laughs> obviously <laughs> no, that makes deep. a lot of sense. Too, Ka- Kanban. It's it. There's only one worker. You can only make one choice.
1: My only counterpoint to Kanban is, and this is something that even with all the plays we have, we still forget. Oh, wait! I already got three certificates. I qualify for that bonus tile, or I qualify for this one, or. You know, hey, does this training track, which one did I just unlock? And and and, mm. and the stuff with the meetings? Maybe so, maybe Maybe, so. but I get I'm what you're saying. I'm probably smoking crack. No, I get what you're saying because things. it's only one worker. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 one worker. What are you doing with that one worker?
0: Super cool video guy Paul Grogan said, Considering that we have similar taste in games, why doesn't Democker's bidding for a random
1: poll card bother you as much as it does me? He said specifically, he said blind bidding, and I I think he's talking about the opinion polls, yeah. and which aren't blind bidding. Only the turn order at the beginning of each round is blind bidding. It's open bidding, but uh, but I nevertheless, it's still a random. Sure, assuming he's talking. You don't about know what it is when you're when polls, you're agreeing right. to pay fifty bucks for it. You don't know what it is, right? I see it strictly as insurance against a bad poll being published to hurt me. If there is something there that helps. And I decide to publish it. Great bonus score. Otherwise, it's strictly insurance against a bad poll. Think about it that way and see if that helps. What do you think? Paula bothers me. <laughs> it doesn't me because it, it makes sense if you think of it as insurance. Still a great game. I'm,
0: I'm and I'm over that part, but it does bother me.
1: Super active Twitterer, BGGer, lover of our of our show. Bruno Valerio asks. What about a quick segment where you guys give us the top three or top five games from the designer of the game being highlighted on each episode? To this, I'll say, Bruno, awesome idea. I love it. However, like I said earlier, with Martin Wallace, I haven't played enough. But going forward, it's something that I think we're going to think about doing going forward. I think we also
0: want to have an episode every once in a while that maybe focuses on a designer rather than a game and talk deeper about several games. The Frominator. Simple question. Simple answer. How guilty do you and I feel, Edward, about being the impetus of him buying Arkwright?
1: Not in the least. No. Uh, Why would we feel guilty for being the impetus for you buying the best game of 2014? W Cardboard Golden Elephant. Right? Peter K asks, what's the shortest heavy game you've ever played? I I was a part of both of ours, I think. Uh, For me, it was my first play of antiquity. One player killed themselves off within the first four turns of the game, and uh, we didn't want them sitting out, so we boxed it back up. 30 minutes. Huh.
0: And that's that's what I think of when I think of a short, heavy game where someone just, like, <laughs> took themselves out, right? And our first <laughs> player, Versinda's Volk, as we just previously mentioned, it's really easy to screw up until you learn how to play the game, and ours lasted one turn. So
1: Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, the, One decade. Yeah, that was me, the West German... Uh, Economy collapsed. Shame on me. Go communist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jacob Kuhn asks, what good heavy gateway game, what would be a good heavy gateway game for someone that has never played a heavy game before? And uh, one comes to mind that's heavy-ish. Okay. Lahav.
1: That's the no-brainer for me. The reason being is you only do two actions on your turn. move your boat and make a choice. There (laughs) you go. And your choice is two things. You take one of the offer spaces or you move your dude to a a building and do the the action. That's it. I think there's some uh,
0: medium games that make excellent gateways into heavier games because each one focuses on some particular mechanic that you would experience in a heavier game. So games like Shipyard, Village, Concordia... Goa, Cuba, palaces of Carrara—those are excellent teachers of mechanics that you will encounter in heavier games.
1: That's a real interesting way to go about thinking about it. I, I dig that. I like that. I just went straight heavy game. What's a good cool yeah, entry yeah. level?
0: Well, you know, I like to go above and beyond the. Uh, well, the, obviously, not. Mr. seven, <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: All right. So the last one we got, and I apologize if I if I butcher the name. Um, I think it's Marcin Birneau. Could you talk about 18xx games and which ones you would recommend to start with for someone that hasn't played 18xx games before? Neither Tony and I are experts in 18xx games. With that said, I feel good in saying that 1846 is the best introductory 18xx game out there. It's not cheap. It's $121 from Golden Spike Games. But it's such a newbie-friendly game and it plays relatively quick, it allows for smaller player counts. It allows experienced players to play with inexperienced players and there be enough for both sides to really yeah. be engaged. In my opinion, it's the one best suited to get. Like I said, it's available right now from Golden Spike Games, $121. The good news is if you get it and you don't like it, you can always turn around and sell it. and you're, You may take a loss, but it's not going to be a big loss. Right. They're always going to retain their value. I've so, only played two 18XX
0: games. 18-something. That <laughs> one hour into the eight hours I was toast. Uh-huh. I still enjoyed it, but yeah, I got smacked around. And I've played
1: 1846, and in that game, I wish I had played that first. So, I would say, bite the bullet, get 1846, or better yet, get a friend that has 1846 yeah. and play their copy. So, that's that's the best I got for you. So, that's... Uh, that's ask heavy cardboard. We fun. want we want feedback. Yeah, it, it, this was a blast. Uh, let us know if you like this and if you want this interaction. I, I would think y'all would, but yeah, let us know. Cool. All right. The last PSA that I want to throw out for the night is, and I, I've been mentioning this on Facebook and Twitter. St. Baldric's Shaveathon is coming up March 13th. <laughs> so this is the last episode that I'm going to promote this. I'm getting my hair, my head shaved for kids with cancer to raise money. The link will be in the show notes. If you guys are interested to donate, that's awesome. I'd appreciate it. The kids, I'm sure, would appreciate it. And, yeah, it's for a good cause, and I get a free haircut out of the deal. Nice. <laughs>
0: Pictures will be posted immediately thereafter. All right, well, let's put a bow on the, our automobile episode. Remind everybody that Game Surplus is our fantastic sponsor. We thank them very much and encourage you to check them
1: out at www.gamesurplus.com. And we'd appreciate it, and they would appreciate hearing if you go to them, if you heard heard about them from us or went to them because of something we said, let them know. That way they know that them advertising with us is working. So holler at them. So how do people get in contact with us? Would you remind them again, sir? I will. Our website, heavycardboard.com. Email us feedback, please. We want to hear it. Heavycardboard at gmail.com. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard, and every day, all day, three sixty five. Twitter <laughs> at Heavy Cardboard. <laughs> so that's it, guys. That's a that's a wrap on automobile. This has been a lot of fun, and yeah. hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. I really appreciate uh, meeting and talking about automobile
0: with you this evening, sir. Yeah,
1: this has been good. I'm I'm glad you can drive home and not have to worry about the snow. That's right. This is the first episode in the last three with no blizzard going on. (laughs) I know, right? Nice. (laughs) All right. So we'll talk to you guys hopefully on the forums, in the Guild, on Twitter, on Facebook, and all that. And we'll holler at y'all in a couple weeks. See y'all. Bye.
0: Prosper.